Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day you've given us and this opportunity. And Lord, truly this is an opportunity. Every day you give us, every time we gather, it's an opportunity to share your word, to encourage one another, and just to lift you up and give you the glory. We just thank you for that. We thank you for what the blessings you've bestowed upon us in getting us here, each one of us today, Lord. It's not a simple undertaking in many cases, and we just praise you for that. We also ask this morning, Lord, you give me your thoughts and words to speak. You'd use me as a vessel in your hand, and you'd bind the hand of the evil one to remove the distractions from our lives so that our focus may be on you and the power of the Holy Spirit would go forth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, a little something I have for you today. I hope it works. The uh, Lord's been laying this on my heart lately, and, and uh, I've got three or four different avenues to go, but I'm, I think I've nailed it down to just to go one. It's always best to go one direction and not several. Amen. This ain't going to work. This is not going to work. But open your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you would, please. When I was getting this, when I was getting wired up this morning, I was in there in the, making sure I was presentable. And uh, I told uh, Jason, I said, I don't know about all this. It's all wrapped around my neck, choking me. And he says, well, he says, since Garth Brooks left here, he said, we decided we had to have this face piece on. I won't be doing song for you today because it sounds like it still sounds like I'm skinning cats when I sing. So we don't do that. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's a verse I want to look at. It's a lengthy chapter. We'll not read it all. But in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, let's just start with that verse. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, 1558, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as ye know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's talking about this, the therefore. You know, you get to the therefore and you have to ask yourself, I'm sure you know the answer to this. You have to say, what is the therefore, therefore? Amen. So you go back up and you look what he's talking about. And this whole passage, he's encouraging the, uh, the church at Corinth. And then he stops in verse 51. He says this. He says, Breath, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, all, we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immorality. So when this corruptible shall have... Put on an incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immorality, immortality, excuse me, then uh, shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. See, I finally got you guys to respond, didn't I? <laughs> Man. The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the end, amen? In a moment, a twinkling of an eye. Does anybody know how long that was, that is? I believe it's like one one hundredth of a second is the twinkling of an eye. That's pretty fast. You say, how do you know that? I did not measure it. So I'm, I, I heard it, read it somewhere, and I thought that's kind of a neat piece of information. Stick that back somewhere, and it's un, you know, really not usable anywhere, but it's kind of nice to have. Amen? So when someone asks you, say, well, I heard it once from a man that really knew what he was talking about. So just go on from there. But when we see this, he says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because we know that one day the Lord's coming back. Does anybody know when that day is? 
I do not know when it is myself, but I know that it's coming. And as we learned this morning in the, uh, the men's class downstairs, if you look at prophecy and you have any idea what's going on around this world today, you know it's getting closer. And if nothing is happening in this world today, go look in your mirror. You're getting older and you know you're getting closer to go to heaven. Amen? And so one way or the other, we're going to see Jesus. Therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The word steadfast means, and I like to define words because some people have no idea what you're talking about. And you talk, if anybody has any opportunity to talk to young people, and you ask them, do you know what that word means? They'll say, no, I have no idea what that word means. So you've got to define it. So one of your best uh, helps in studying the Bible is a dictionary. Those are books. Uh, young people, follow me here. It's a book, and they're about this thick, and they've got many different words in them. And they have the definition means it's what the word actually means, not what you want it to mean. So the word steadfast means firmly fixed, established, not fickle or wavering, settled, unmovable. It's that which cannot be moved or shaken, not changed in purpose. It's firm, not altered by passion or emotion. It's not affected, not touched or impressed by things. Abounding means having in great plenty, being very prevalent, increase, abundant, exceed. means to cause to exceed or superabound, enough and to spare. If we ask you the question, if he says here, and we're going to ask some questions this morning, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be firmly fixed. Be established. Have you ever seen on a building, an old old building, they'll have uh, EST period, like say 18 such and such. That building was established there. That is the cornerstone they put on that building, and it's been there for a long time. Or this company established in. We're set, firmly put in this, in this time. When were you established in Christ? When did you get saved? Do you remember that day? Were any of you there the day you got saved? You were? All right, praise God. I use that same philosophy when I tell people, I say, well, I don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. This is pretty simple. Did you, are you saved? Are you born-again believer? If you was to die today, where would you spend eternity? They say, oh, yeah, I know all that. I said, good, good, good. Were you there the day that happened? Uh, yeah, I was there. Then tell people what happened. Isn't that a pretty simple thought? You don't have to go to 12 years of Bible college to tell somebody how to get to heaven. Because you're going there, I trust. And if you've, you're going there, then you know how because you were there when you did it. Pretty simple stuff, isn't it? You're thinking, well, I'm crazy, aren't I? I you, know, you ought to see this. You have to, this is why I do too, brother. I get, a, I get a, a mirror and I shine it at my people so they can see the look I'm getting when I tell them something. It's crazy out here. Anyway. Uh, praise God for you folks. So really, I just want to say this. We do love you all and we thank you. And a lot of you have no idea who I am. And that's a wonderful thing. Amen. Those of you that do know, just keep it to yourselves. Okay? So we asked this question this morning. Are we steadfast? Are we established? Are we firmly fixed? Or are we fickle and wavering? In uh, James 1... Flip over there with me to James 1, if you will. It talks about wavering. Oh. There it is. James chapter 1 and verse 6. 
He says, but let him ask in nothing. He goes back up, let's verse 5. He says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If we're not steadfast in the Lord, we're wavering. We're double-minded. How many of us would say today, I'm not double-minded? How many could honestly say that tonight? Raise your hand if you could say that today. I've got a camera right here too, by the way. Truly, we are all double-minded, aren't we? We're not fixed. We're not firmly established where we think we should ought to be. When you look around the world today and you look at Christianity and you say, why is Christianity in the, in the state of flux that it is in? Well, I would say this. We're not steadfast. Christians are not steadfast. You know who's steadfast in their religious belief? State of Islam. They will blow themselves up for their cause. We won't even read our Bible. We won't even go across the street. We won't tell somebody we're a Christian. We're not established in our hearts. Think about that for a minute. Are we steadfast? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. What is the profession of our faith? Jesus Christ. And give Him the glory in all things. Hold it fast. What's that mean? Don't let go. Be established. Be steadfast. Hold it fast. Are we holding that thought fast? Do you want people to even know you're a Christian? Well, you know, that term Christianity is so loosely thrown around today, sometimes we shouldn't want to be associated with it. Some of the Mormons are even saying they're Christians today. Catholics say they're Christians today. A born-again believer of Jesus Christ, one that gives God the glory in all things. Is that what we are? Or do we just come to church? Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, I got to go. We got a thing going on. We got this going on. Go see you next week. I'd like to make it, but you know, this come up and, and you know, this would be nice. I, oh, man, oh, man. I tell you what, we go through it all the time. We have about this much church, no, about this much space in our church. No, we actually we got three pews, three, two, two, is it two? I believe it's two, let me think now. Yeah, two rows of pews. And we get pretty packed out sometimes. And sometimes we don't because something else is going on. We're trying to encourage steadfastness. We're trying to encourage to be established in that which you claim you are. Are you going to heaven? Are you looking forward to that day? Really? Why? Because you want to get out of this mess? Honestly, yeah, in part, basically, I was talking to a guy the other day, and we were talking about this, and he said, are you ready to go to heaven? He goes, yeah, well, I'm ready to get out of here. And I asked the people the other day, this Wednesday night, and I said, listen, I said, many people will say, yes, I'm ready to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to get out of here because everything is just crazy. Amen? Isn't it really? I mean, think about it. Look around. There's just no hope. So, Lord, come. Get me out of this mess. I mean, come on. He says, why? Why should I get you out of that mess? You're there to do a job. You're there to work. You're there to serve me. Why should I take you home? I'm not done. And you haven't even begun to work. And listen, the dividend that that I invested in you, 
you have a long way to go before you can collect on that. Does anybody know what heaven's like, by the way? Streets of gold. You've heard about that? None of you have? All right. You see, heaven... Think about what you got in heaven. Look in the New Old Te- or the Book of Revelation there, where it talks about heaven and all the beautiful things that's up there. No more sickness. No more uh, bionic knees, which I may have to have one after the other night, man. Anyway, um, are we steadfast? We need to ask ourselves that: Are we steadfast in what we claimed we believed? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He is my life. He is my all. Am I established in that? Or are we wavering? Are we wavering? Second thing we need to ask ourselves, because he says, be steadfast, unmovable. Have we been moved? Are we movable? Can you be moved off the position that you claim you are on? Well, if you're not established, I can guarantee you're going to be moved. From salvation to today, are you still close to the? Are you still as close to the cross as you were that day you got saved, or have you moved away? Do you remember the day you got saved? Two people. Do you remember? Is it okay? Can they still say Amen here? Okay, He gave you permission. Go ahead and say Amen. 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 See, all right, praise God. I, I, I got some advice, and the guy says, you know what you need to do is you need to plant some people over here and over here and over here. and over. So when you ask for the amen, they'll give it to you. I didn't do that. But. Amen? amen? All right, see. Okay. Anyway, are we unmovable? When we say, you know, uh, we've accepted Christ, I remember the day. I remember that day I accepted Christ as my Savior. <clears throat> and I was bawling like seven babies, man. I think my wife wanted to walk away. Everybody was looking at me like, what's wrong with this guy? I, ma'am? What's wrong with it? Well, I got this thing going back here. That's my lovely bride over there. Is that what was disturbing everybody? They couldn't get their eyes off of that. Has he got a tail going on back there or something? <laughs> now it comes. Now it comes. Well, he told me what time I could be finished, but he blew that. We're staying till 1 o'clock. Amen. Lock them doors. Um. <laughs> anyway, let's 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 dial it back down a little bit. So anyway, have we been moved from our salvation? I knew when it was, and like I said, I, I I was I was broke up the day I got saved, and I knew that that day had changed my life. Have am I still there? No, not really. I've moved. I've been moved. What moves us? Well, if we do look at the definition, this is not changed in purpose. Firm. My purpose is pretty much the same. Uh, I'm not altered by passion or emotion, not affected, not touched or impressed by the things of this world. Have we been affected by the things of this world? Are we allowing ourselves to be affected? Are we allowing ourselves to be impressed by the, by the novelties that this world has to offer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, our passions and our emotions get the best of us, right, ladies? Ladies, right? Come on. Be honest. I'm going to get on the men a little bit. And men don't know how to handle that. 
Listen, if our focus is where the Lord wants us to be, if our focus is where the Lord wants to be, our, we're going to be emo, our emotions are going to be focused on the Lord, and we're going to be happy about serving Jesus. We're going to be excited about where we were. I remember the day I got saved, and it goes back to this thought. It was a wonderful day and a life-changing experience. Why would anybody ever want to go back to where you came from? How many of us have gone back there a little bit? Think about that for a moment. That which cannot be moved or shaken... Have we changed in our purpose, our, our mannerisms, our lifestyles? Does it resemble more of the way of the world or the way that which Christianity once was? Because modern day Christianity is so much like the world, there is no delineation between the two. But how do you, how does your life resemble? If someone was to pop into your life, as pastors like say, they just drop in and they don't know you from a bale of hay, are they going to say, oh, you must be Christian? Or are they going to say, hey, you're like me, you're just like the world? You see, a Christian, sh people should know there's a difference by the way we live, by the way we walk, by the way we talk, by how we act, by where we go, by what we wear, by what we don't wear, by the things that we do in our life that draw a firm line to saying, no, I'm not going any further that direction. I'll go here, but that ain't it. I'm, stu I'm done. Have we been moved? Modern day Christianity say everything's, everything's okay in the Lord. We all have liberty in Jesus, and many people do not understand what that word liberty means. It's not mean freedom to do anything you want. It means you now have the liberty to serve Him and not sin. But you see, we think it's, I can do whatever I want in Jesus. No, you can't. Because you could do that. You, you had the for liberty to do anything you want before. You can do it now, but you shouldn't want to. Amen? I like that guy. Where's he at? <laughs> Keep it up, buddy. Many people think that they're in a good place. And a little movement's okay. Is a little movement okay? Once you start moving, you're going to start moving. You start wiggling, you're going to wiggle out of your seat if you're not careful. Amen? You're going to move off the point where you should be. David had been moved. Look at David's life. Real quick, let's stop and take a look. Go to uh, Psalm 51 with me. Psalm 51. In this, here's that, this is the part where David's writing this uh, psalm after he'd gone through a big, big time in his life. You all know David, right? He, he uh, slew Goliath and, and he killed bears and lions and tigers. Oh my. He was doing it all in the name of God and God was giving him the, the, the hand to do it. Why? Because his heart was right with God. He was fixed. He was established. He was unmovable. King Saul was chasing him all over the country and he would not, he had the opportunity to king, king, king. Kill King Saul, but he wouldn't do it. Why? He was established. He was fixed. He was unmovable. Then he got to a place. Things started getting pretty easy. Things started getting nice. What happened? Well, got drawn away. He saw Bathsheba over there. Uh-oh. Probably shouldn't have been looking. Probably should have walked away and got on his knees and said, Lord, forgive me for that. So I'm going to go build a thing around that so I don't have to look at that. He didn't. Then what happened? He had an affair with Bathsheba. Then he took Bathsheba's husband, the general, sent him to the front lines to have him killed. Then what happened? Well, then he had the baby. Then what happened? The baby died. Look, my goodness. Was he moved? Yes. He was firmly established. But this can't happen to us, can it? What does he say? Look with me in verse 10. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, O God. 
of Psalm 51. Create me a clear heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of, my, of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I propose this question. Why do we struggle with teaching people the right way? Why do we struggle with with telling people about Jesus Christ? We've been moved. We're not steadfast. And we don't have the joy of the Lord. We don't have the joy of our salvation. When you were saved, if you'll go back with me to the day you were saved, if you can remember that, it was a different day. And I've heard people talk about this, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, you know, um, when I was saved, man, I wanted to tell everybody what happened. When I was saved, I was excited about Jesus. I was on fire. When you see people that get saved, you know that when they're just, they just, well, let's see somebody get saved back there, and they change. You can see somebody that has made the profession, and nothing's changed. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's not just saying the words. It's what happens in your heart. Is it going to be a struggle? Oh, most certainly. But it's going to be easier to get through because you've got Christ on your side. You've got the power. We can do all things through Christ which, give, uh, which strengtheneth, us, strengtheneth us. Listen to me. The joy of our salvation was when we got saved and we gave Him our life and we were no longer in charge. When we took that back, look what happened to David when he took it back. He said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore. Then, then will I be able to do this. Then will it happen. Why are we struggling? Why don't we want to tell people about Jesus? Why do we want to teach transgressors thy ways? Not interested. Not interested. Lot was moved. Remember Lot? He was with Abraham. And he says, okay, Lot, he says, instead of all this fussing and fighting, he says, we're going to split their camps. He says, you pick the land you want. He says, I'll take this over here. He says, okay, we're going to be over here. So Lot pitched his camp towards Sodom. Next thing you read about Lot, you find him in the town. He was one of the guys. He was, a, he was like an officer, so to speak, because he was man in the gate. Next thing you read of Lot, as you read through that story of Lot, he's living in there. And when they went to get him and his family out, his family mocked him because they knew where he once was to where he is today. And he says, oh, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And he says, no, guys, you know, you're, you're crazy, Dad, because we've seen your life. Is that where our life is? We've been moved to the point that our testimony is worthless to the community around us. They know us. We, they know who you are. And we tell them about Jesus because we've been moved. We say, I'm a Christian. They say, well, you live like the world. Lot, why would I want what you've got? Listen, let me ask you this. Have you ever asked somebody to come to church and they say, uh, what time is that? Uh, 10 o'clock Sunday? No. They live like we do. One thing they got. They don't have to get up on Sunday. How many of you would like to slip in this morning? I'll tell you what, we thought about it because we really kind of... Because of that wind, we come stepping off that porch up there and like, whoa, they're coming to get us in a van or something over here. It's pretty cold. Sometimes it gets cold, right? Too cold to come to church. Amen. You, you just kind of feel kind of, oh, I don't feel so good. I, I think I'll stay home. Kind of feels good. but You kind of feel guilty, too. You know, you know, you should be there and you're probably not that sick. But you can play it up until 
one o'clock get better. Amen? Other people don't want to come to church. Many people say, oh, no, that's no big deal if I go to church. I'll catch it next week. It's okay to amen that. Church ain't that big of a deal. We don't want to be around brothers and sisters. We don't want to help teach. We don't want to do these things. Why? We've lost the joy of the Lord. In Psalm chapter, uh, in, in, in Psalm, uh, I got it here, 60, no, that's not it. I've got it right here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Anyway, it says, uh, I don't have it. I got it in my mind. That's a nice place to be. Um, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is that you? Are you glad to come around and see God's people? Or is it a chore to get up and come to church? Do you have the joy of the Lord to bring you around to where you want to be? Or is your joy more, you know, I'd rather go out doing the things I want to do. Because as a Christian, that should, you know, we can do things. We can go to ball games. We can go hunting. We can do this. And we can do these other things. But let me tell you this. This is my understanding of it. And I could have a skewed view of it. But I believe that um, if that stuff takes precedence over this over here, then your joy is not in the Lord. Your joy is in you and self and pleasure and all the other stuff you like to do. And what's the world seeing? They're seeing all this other stuff you like to do. Why do they want to come to church? They can have it all. They're not seeing a difference in our lives. They're not seeing what the Lord would like for them to see in our lives. We have been moved. Peter stepped out of the boat when he walked on the water. He wanted to get closer to Jesus. Jesus says, come. Anybody wants to get close to God this morning? Anybody wants to get close to Jesus Christ? He says, come unto me. He says, but keep your eyes off the world. Keep your eyes off the storms. Keep your eye- Look at me over here. I noticed something. Was that Josh Hendricks? Was that the young, was this morning? Was he doing it? Jordan. Jordan. That was him, right? You know, I used to tell the patch because these all kids, they thought I was the hardest, roughest guy in seven counties teaching me. Amen? Where are you at? I was not. It was my wife the whole time. I was the... That's not true. But I told him I was, uh, was uh, Brooke. I said, yeah, but you guys towed the line, didn't you? They said, yeah, we did. That's all that mattered. That's why I was sent down there. I'll tell you this now. That's why I was sent there. I did my job. And I succeeded. It. Amen? I told him, you sent me to patch? What for? I don't, can't sing. And he goes, we don't need you to sing. You just need to line them kids out. I said, Roger, there. <laughs> on my way. That's why I did it. Otherwise, I'm a lovable guy. Amen? But I seen him down there, and he was doing this to those kids. He was going... Keep looking now. I told them that. I said, you watch me. I don't care if a clown troop comes back there. I want to see your eyes on me. Listen, we take eyes, our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to fall too. Peter did it. He stepped out on the boat, started walking to Jesus. Hey, what's the water doing, Kim? And boom, down he goes. What did he say? Oh, you have little faith. Get up, boy. It's just like us. Why do we struggle? Little faith. We don't have no joy. Our joy's in any and everything else of the world. We've been moved. So the last question, let me ask you this. Are we abounding? Because he says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding. We should all be on the increase. We should all be growing. There's a lot of people, a lot of young people out here that's having babies and, my goodness, growing. It's Praise God, it's good to see. It's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And they got appetites, amen? 
Andrew, you ought to know this, right? You got a couple kids at home, don't you? Just two, her wife's looking at me. Don't you talk kids to me, man? <laughs> but like Hudson, last night we were over to over to my aunt and uncles, and Hudson was there, and he was eating. Boy, he's eating, 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 eating. Kids have appetites. If he quit eating, he didn't take the bottle. You think there's something wrong with him? We got to take him to the doctor. He's not eating. Look, we shove the bottle in there. It's not working. He ain't taking. He's spitting it out, and he's whining. He's crying. He don't want to take nourishment. Something's wrong with him. We need to be on increase as Christians. And if we quit taking nourishment, there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong. Something has stopped. When, you're, and when a person is new in Christ, man, they want, oh, tell me more. I want this. What about this? What about this? What about this? And I've seen this happen. You know one of the worst the detriments to new Christians are? And I think we need, this needs to be established, is that you have a church building, and then you have one out back for new Christians. Because it's the old Christians that put the water on the hot new Christians and cool them off. Oh, you just need to cool down there. <laughs> we don't do that here. Oh, okay. I remember the story is told where a young, 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 uh, they got saved and they come to the morning church, packed out everybody. Oh, hey, how you good? They come that night and they said, what's, what happened? I said, what do you mean? Where's everybody at? There's less than half the people here. How do you answer that one? Uh, well, um, it's really not. It's only important on Sunday mornings. You go home, come back then. They come back Wednesday. A half of the half was back. How do you tell? Oh, well, I guess it's really not important. Think about that for a minute. What are we telling people? And here's another thing. Let's go back to this. You, we, we Christians that say, oh, church is not that big of a deal. Are you getting fed on your own? If you don't go to church, are you getting fed any other way? Probably not. And what are the neighbors saying? What's important to that Christian? They should be able to say, well, I can tell you where they're going to be all day Sunday and Wednesday. Church. So it must be something there going on at church that they want to have when you go say, hey, you want to come to church? Why? You guys never go. You go hit and miss. Think about that for a minute. What kind of testimony are we giving the people around us about our life being steadfast, unmovable, now always abounding? Are we on the increase? Many people say, well, and I understand this. Well, uh, I don't see a lot of... We have people that travel a pretty good distance from church. I know you guys do too. But um, we're, we're trying to get them into... They, they got saved and they're coming to church on Sunday morning. And they're a little bit on Sunday school... Uh, a little bit of pressure going on there, but uh, not too much to get them to come. So I always ask them, what can we see this evening? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I said, so I just ask them this. I'm kind of blunt sometimes. I said, so you're not coming back, right? <laughs> well, probably not. I said, either you, either you are or you aren't. It's up to you. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> well, no, I guess we're not. And I said, well, okay, thanks for being honest. See you later. Come on, tell me the truth. You coming back or not? Wouldn't that the way you want to be? Right? So think about this for a minute. If, if, if our life is all consumed about self and we're not giving back to what God wants us to be around God's people, what's, what's the kind of testimony is that to the world? What are we saying to other people? And what are we saying to ourselves? Because if we're not getting fed, at, you, get pretty, you get a pretty good meal here, right? I mean, tonight we're having one. You get fed tonight. But spiritual nourishment, we need that. And if we're not getting it, we're probably not getting it at home. And if we're not coming to get fed and to be a blessing to one another around us, then why are we coming? 
We need to be abounding. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, 12 says, considering the... Uh, no, excuse me, I take that back. I, I messed it. But it's, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, 12. That's where I want to be. And I'll explain this just a wee bit to you. Hebrews chapter 5, 12. It says, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and have not strong and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their ex- senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He's talking here. He's saying. Um, since the time has elapsed since you were saved or converted, you have been Christians long enough to be expected to understand the teachings of God's Word. We ought to also be able to instruct others that they need to be able to uh, explain to others the truths of the Christian religion. Don't you think we had ought to be able to do that by now? Oh, no, that's just for the preacher and the assistant preacher and the assistant preacher and a couple of deacons, maybe. But uh, the rest of us know we just sit on the bottle all day long. Think about that. If your child would never, it was always on the bottle, you'd say, come on, you're 25, let's go. (laughs) Amen? Yeah, it might save a little on the grocery bill, though. But think about that. Isn't that the way a lot of the people are today in Christianity? They're still babies. Oh, well, I come to church and nobody said anything to me. And I, and I, uh, okay, go sit in the corner. We'll give you a cookie. <laughs> but he's telling us here to abound. How do you abound? You increase. We're not increasing. I believe all Christianity as a whole is not increasing. And I'm encouraging you this morning to ask yourself, are you abounding since you were saved? How far have you grown? Because we're supposed to. We're supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. In the work of the Lord. We, we, we increase in all kinds of areas of our lives. Amen? I mean, never mind. You already know what I was going to say. From a 32 to a 36, right, man? Uh, come on, we increase that way and that's okay. That's part of living. But as a Christian, is it, is it okay to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? As he says over there in first, or Second Peter chapter 3, 18. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We said the Lord's coming in a twinkling in a moment, right? Quickly and soonly. Quickly and soonly. That's why I said that. <laughs> See, I'm starting my own dictionary. I am. Rick's got all the words that I mess up and change and make anew. Why? Well, why not? Guys, got to have something to do, right? And I figure that if if someone can understand a different word that's the same as the old, let's use it. But we need to understand this one thing. If we're going to abound, we have to grow. If we're going to be, if we're going to say we're Christians, then we need to be steadfast. We need to be established. We need to get back and hold fast the profession of our faith. Friends, I'm going to tell you what. The world is increasingly pushing Christianity over the cliff. And we're like a bunch of lemmings to follow them. We'll go that direction because, well, that's what everybody wants. That's what the people want. That's what the people want. And this is how I am out there. And I'd be this way here, too. That's really why I had to go. Uh, but... Um, I told him this. I said, listen, if you want that, there's a church. Here's the name of the church, and it's down the street. Go down there, please. 
I all the best for you, please, but please go there because we're not doing that. Can we change and do this? No, no, we're not doing that. This is how we do it here. And this is what you get, and this is what we got. And I hope you enjoy it. And they're like, oh, this is great. This is great. And honestly, the people want to be established. They want to be held accountable. They want to be firmly planted. They want to abound and grow. Why? Because they want what God wants. We don't need, what, we don't need more of what the world is saying is Christianity. This, we had a guy, um, Mord, Brother Mord. He came uh, last weekend. We had, uh, was it just last weekend, right? We had our gold rush days and we hand out tracks. And, and that's a whole fluctuation thing. And I'll talk to you more about that tonight. One of the things that we do. But he stopped by and he says, hey, can I stop by your church? And, and I wanted, you know, I said, yeah, we don't. We got a guy already speaking. Do you need a place? To, what do you need? He said, I don't need nothing. Just want to stop through. I'm passing through. And I said, okay. And he was talking to us and he said, um, He's a missionary to the Philippines, and he said that they had uh, a meeting, and there was uh, 6,500 people showed up. 3,600 got saved. He said, he said, I don't know if you've ever been to our church. Uh, it is not fancy. It's over 100 years old, and it's, we keep it pretty well polished up, but it's an old building. Old building. There's no insulation in it, and, and on and on and on. But, I mean, it's an old building, and we like it. We think it's a nice building. He says, oh, you, he says our buildings over there are nothing... Half as nice as this. He says it might be a lean-to. He said it might not even lean. But he said, he says, and people will come. What were they offering him? The good news of Jesus Christ. They're not offering him the world. They've got the world. They're offering him Jesus Christ. We say we're Christians. Christianity should be looking for that soon and imminent return of Jesus Christ. We're looking for everything else the world has to offer. Honestly... We need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let me get you real quick to this, and I'll talk about more of this tonight. How do you maintain it? How do you keep it? Because everybody wants to know, well, I want to know, how do I do it? How do I abound? Well, I think it's this. I think in order to, that we've lost the joy that, kept, that got us to the cross, or when we left the cross, we lost that joy that we had in Jesus Christ. Now it's just ho-hum. It's become work. But we need to go back to the cross. That's how, how we need to maintain or keep our joy or get it back. We, wait. we need to focus on our Savior and His soon return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Well, this is something that everybody knows and hears uh, when we talk about this, the return of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4. In verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. If you're down and out, you know, you're going through a rough time, do you want somebody to come over and go, Oh, I know you're sad, but let me tell you my story. <laughs> it's terrible. Is that going to help you out? You're not going to comfort anybody, are you? So if we're, if we're already down and out, if we're, if we're struggling in our own Christianity, if we're not doing good and, and you don't have joy that's going to comfort me because you're not focused on this. And I've heard many Christians say this. Oh, yeah, I know Christ is coming. He's coming, but we just don't know when. Well, that's a given. But what if it's today? Two things I say, I told the church, I said, I said, we need to weigh every decision on the backdrop of the cross. Is this going to be glorifying to God today? Is this going to increase uh, my, my fellowship with Him? Is this going to make a betterment? And then I need to be living every day like, because He's coming. 
oh, well, that's just psycho crazy Christianity. I'm not going to be some Jesus freak. Remember I said earlier that the Islamic believe so much that they are willing to die for their cause? Can we not get a little closer to that idea? Love the Lord so much that we're willing to live for Him. What a concept. It's nothing new you probably haven't heard, but it may be something that you haven't applied lately. Learn to love the Word and obey it. Get back to the cross. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. he says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I called... I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Is the word of God joy to us? Is this time spent in fellowship with one another a joy to us? Or is our joy found in other things? Because if it is, we're not steadfast. We've been moved and we're not abounding. We may be growing, but we're not growing in the Lord. And I believe that's what he wants. I believe that this brief overview, I believe this is what God expects us. I believe that he wants us to be steadfast. I believe that he wants us to be firmly planted in and on him. I believe that he wants us to be unmovable. No, I'm not doing that. You know what? I'm taking that back, as a matter of fact, and I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I don't believe that's going to be pleasing to the Lord in my life. It comes with time and growth, but if you don't make the step to say no, you'll say yes to everything. If you question God, you're going to question him all the time. But to be obedient... To be steadfast, unmovable. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. And I'm going to abound. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to increase in the work of the Lord. Because your work, the work it's not in vain. In other words, everything you do, then when you get to the point, because I'll tell you what, the reason I know a little bit about this is because I'll, we'll tell you, I'll tell you tonight about more of it if you come back. And it would be exciting for you if you would, because I might remember some more things to tell you. But... <clears throat> Sometimes you get serving the Lord, and um, it's easy to lose your joy. It's easy to lose your focus, and you say, why, why am I even doing this? Nobody cares. But you see, here's the key. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It goes back, takes us back to a time we went to Guyana from here, and it's not about me. It's all about the Lord. And when it becomes about you, you've been moved. You've been moved. Let's get back to where God wants us to be. Let's focus on him. Get reestablished. Stay fixed. Abound in him. Because of the work of the Lord, it will never be in vain. It will always be worth a purpose. It will always be worth a cause. It will always be worth something. Because one day, soon, he's coming back. And that should be our joy. That we live for a Savior who loves us enough to come back and get us out of all this. When our work is done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. We look to you now and ask that you would help us, help us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Lord, it's, we make it harder than it truly is, and you know that. So I just pray that we could see the easy way, and that is just to focus on you all the time. Lord, work in our hearts this morning. We just thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.